You are listening to Radio Data, a podcasting radio where we talk about data, cloud, analytics and AI with different guests, different hosts and in different segments. This segment is called Data Journey, where our guests talk about how data moves around in their company, what technologies they use and what value data brings to their products. Hello everyone, today our guest is Walter D.B. Walter currently lives in New Orleans in the US and he has been working with big data for around 12 years. Walter originally comes from the Netherlands, but he has spent most of his time working with data in Sweden and the US, where he worked at Spotify, the New York Times and now at Datadog. A very important disclaimer for this conversation is the fact that I know Walter personally for exactly 10 years, because we worked together at Spotify and we built data infrastructure there. Uh, Walter actually recruited me and he was the tech leader of one of the teams that I worked in. So this was 10 years ago, but since then a lot of A lot of has changed in the big data landscape and I will be happy to ask Walter many questions about his thoughts and opinions. But let's start with the introduction first. Who is Walter DB? Could you please introduce yourself? Of course. Thank, thank you, Anna. First of, the, first of all, thank you for having me. This is like so much fun uh, doing a podcast with you. Um, and as you said, like we, we met 10 years ago when uh, I hired you at, at Spotify and we've done quite a bit of stuff actually together, like uh, road tripping uh, Poland to do meetups and things like that, uh, talks all over the place. Anyway, um, so yeah, I'm Wouter. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm originally from the Netherlands. Um, sometimes I still have a slight accent, but it's, it's not it's not that, that big anymore. Um, yeah, who I am? It's like uh, there's, there's many facets to this, but I'm, I'm the, like early early on, I was a kid with a computer, and that sort of eventually evolved in me uh, doing big data, uh, like early 2010, um, and yeah, uh, going from data engineer, infrastructure engineer to like team lead manager. And now I'm a director uh, of engineering at Datadog. Um, on one hand, building in data infrastructure at Datadog, and on the other hand, uh, leading our analytics department. Yes, yes. Uh, the time that we worked together at Spotify was so much fun. And I'm, I'm sure that we'll talk about uh, Spotify Uh, later in this podcast episode, but let's start first our conversation uh, with Datadog. So could you please tell us more uh, about Datadog? What is your company doing? What customers do you have? And how and why they are using your products? Absolutely. So Datadog, is a, we specialize in monitoring and observability, um, and particularly in the cloud. So if you have an infrastructure, um, preferably in the cloud, then you can basically send us your monitoring and observability data. And that's, like, think about like CPU usage, memory usage of, of, of instances that you run in the cloud, but also application metrics. Um, and we do that according to sort of three pillars. So one is metrics. You just send us your metrics. Um, we do uh, logs. So send us your logs. We can um, you know, search through them, index them, 
Um, you can sort of analyze your logs uh, in, in different ways. Um, and then uh, application performance monitoring. So adding what we call traces to your to your application and understanding um, how your applications uh, perform. Um, and that across um, across like microservices. It's one of the interesting use cases there for me is that um, like nowadays, like a lot of microservices talk to each other and a user request might end up in a whole bunch of a bunch of um, different services. We can sort of collate those those requests and figure out like where where performance bottlenecks are, for example, or where things go wrong. Um, that obviously comes with with a lot of data. Um, and, um, yeah, we, we operate in the cloud, we operate in multiple clouds actually. So uh, AWS, Azure and, uh, and Google cloud platform. Um, and yeah, we, we ingest a lot of data for our customers. So big customers of ours are, um, like Airbnb, for example, is a, is a large one, um, a whole bunch of like banks and insurance companies, like, like a lot of folks who, who are a lot of companies that operate in the cloud and want to sort of monitor their infrastructure. In the meantime, I'm also checking your website and I see customers such as Samsung, uh, Siemens, Sony and Sainsbury and also uh, customers uh, that uh, which names uh, doesn't start with S like Delivery Hero, Evernote, uh, Lego. And this list is very impressive. But let's move on to the tech stack. What are the most important technologies uh, that you use at Datadog for data infrastructure, data engineering, and data analytics? So on the data engineering side, um, most of our ETL pipelines are written in Spark. Uh, Scala, Spark, um, instrumented by Luigi, which is, uh, like mm-hmm. for me, it was very much full circle because that's the we built Luigi uh, with the team at, at Spotify back in the day. Um, and then um, we've recently added Flink to our sort of palette of tools that we can give to to data engineers. Um, and then on the analytics side, it's um, mostly Snowflake, um, and we've started to dabble uh, in like DBT uh, as of recently. So adding DBT to, DBT to the mix, uh, we're experimenting currently with Airbyte for ingestion of different data from from different business systems. Um, yeah, I think that that's sort of the big the big picture. And then there's tons of glue stuff and like small little glue applications, uh, a bunch of Python, a bunch of Golang, um, like UIs for for for. Uh, for all sorts of different things. But the main sort of open source technology that we use is like Spark, Flink, um, and then proprietary Mm -hmm. Snowflake, DBT. Yes, yes. I noticed that you also mentioned only cloud agnostic technologies, open source ones such as uh, Spark, Flink, DBT, Airbyte, or Luigi, and commercial ones uh, such as Snowflake. Is it intentional because you use multiple cloud providers such as GCP, AWS, Azure, or on-prem? And would you like to have similar tech stack in each environment? Exactly, um, because we we want to um, we want to leverage like we want to make the experience for data engineers at Datadog as sort of coherent and consistent as possible, um, and. 
you know, we, we could obviously use a bunch of the cloud technologies to think like if you have a SQL solution, we uh, we could use uh, BigQuery in GCP, we could use Redshift in, uh, in, in AWS, et cetera. Uh, but that's just, <clears throat> that's really like tricky. Um, so therefore we opt for cloud agnostic, uh, cloud agnostic technology and we build some stuff ourselves. Uh, yes, uh, this this totally makes sense, uh, and it it definitely makes the life of data engineers simpler. However, does it uh, does it have any pain points, or does it bring any challenges to DataBog as a company? So obviously, we'll have to we have to build like interfaces and and sort of tools around uh, around these kind of things, and we'll have to we often have to maintain things ourselves. Like for example, um, uh, so so one one of the things that we we're currently working on is moving away from uh, DataProc and AW uh, and um, EMR in AWS. We mm-hmm. um, historically so Datadog started in AWS. That was sort of where. The, yeah, we, we still have our largest footprint, but that's where everything started. And um, so the, at the beginning of building data infrastructure, we we basically connected with EMR. So uh, Spark jobs are just like we fire up a, a an EMR cluster and then we send the uh, the send the workloads there. Um, when we moved into GCP, we did a similar thing and then built uh, built stuff on top of DataProc. Um, however, with the addition of, of Azure, one of the harder things becomes like you add additional complexity. So in that case, we would have uh, had to um, add HD insights to the mix. Now, um, one of the complexities there was that we um, you, you deal with like versioning, right? Like uh, if you run uh, a Spark job, then you're like sometimes a Linux kernel matters, not too much, but Linux kernel version is something to take into account. Then Java version or JDK or JRE versions, Scala version, Spark version. And then there's the whole Hadoop ecosystem where you you often also mm-hmm. need need to you know, compile against. So um, with like three, three clouds, that became really, really tricky. Um, so we're actually moving towards like um, running Spark directly on Kubernetes because we as Datadog operate our own uh, Kubernetes clusters. So that's that actually becomes easier um, to to sort of manage because it's like a single a single platform across multiple clouds. Uh, but obviously, we'll have to build things ourselves that other like uh, cloud the clouds already have built, like a, you know something like EMR for 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 um, spinning up tearing down clusters, things like that. So it's I think it's a like it really depends on kind of the strategy that you follow, and in our case, because we are multi-cloud, we'll have to. Uh, this is works for us well, I think. Yeah. Could you also tell us some information about your scale at Datadog? How many data engineers and data infrastructure engineers are working at Datadog? Given the fact that you work with multiple cloud providers. So just for the data uh, engineering part, so not everything is data engineering at Datadog, right? Like our our live systems is a completely different world. Um, data engineering is mostly used for um, sort of offline use cases. Um, there there are many of those, but think like uh, billing is is one, um, like usage metering and billing. Uh, we have a thing called historical metrics. Um, where metrics that are older than 24 hours go through an ETL process, uh, but nevertheless, so the we have this thing called a data engineering communities, like all the data engineers getting together, and that's data engineers, analysts, or 
analytics engineers, I must say, and um, and data infrastructure. That community is about 200, 220 people big. Um, and currently we have about 30 people working on, on data infrastructure itself. Yes, yes. This is quite large community and quite large team. Uh, and when answering to this question, you mentioned that the main focus for data engineers at Datadog is put on implementing offline use cases. However, uh, as a one technology in your data stack, you also mentioned Apache Flink. So could you tell us more how you use Apache Flink and what uh, real-time streaming use cases at Datadog you implement? Yeah, so like Datadog um, itself is a real-time system, and there's a lot of bespoke uh, bespoke storage and bespoke processing that has been built over the years um, to deal with logs, to deal with time series, to deal with traces. Um, so that's all very bespoke and very sort of use case specific to Datadog. Um, on the data engineering side, it's recently, within the last six months or so, we've added Flink as um, a tool in our toolbox for data engineers and to do, you know, kind of what you would do in, in Spark, uh, but then in, in a more real-time fashion. And we see that there are more and more use cases sort of popping up where um, like where we need some sort of a Lambda architecture sometimes where we have like a real-time data coming in and then and, and followed with an, with an ETL job or um, where, you know, some, some teams need to sort of drink from a Kafka fire hose uh, in order to, to update state. Um, or to to um, calculate things like anomaly detection, for example, um, at large scale, and um, yeah, there there we uh, more and more people start to use start to use uh, Apache Flink for that. We talked a bit about some challenges of building a product that works seamlessly on different cloud providers, but what if we speak more broadly? Uh, what are the most interesting challenges that you have at Datadoc? of course, related to the data, analytics, and cloud. So technically, um, I, I think, like, one of the things is that how I see our sort of data platform, which which basically consists of sort of all the functionality that you require from a data platform, I always tend to look at sort of five or six dimensions. It's storage, processing, scheduling, and orchestration, uh, data management and governance, um, a build environment where, where you know, artifacts get built that can then be deployed and run, um, and some ad hoc querying uh, capabilities. Um, we we kind of have all that. Um, it's somewhat rough around the edges, like Luigi being one of those things. Luigi's, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's 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 old. It's somewhat arcane, um, but um, so we're looking at to sort of like how to what to do next with 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 Luigi. Um, but so it's it's a little rough around the edges, but all the functionality is there, um, and the, the the big challenge is now to sort of how do we how do we keep keep that platform like going while at the same time build a better user experience, because um, I think in data engineering in general there's a lot of what I like to call peripheral work that's being done. So mm -hmm. while I would really like data engineers to focus predominantly on their business logic. So either be their Spark code or their Apache Flink code, um, rather than having to deal with like, uh, spend a lot of time <clears throat> dealing with um, 
dependency management with configuration um, with uh, you know building artifacts with their data management like all that type of stuff I think we can automate and we can abstract away but uh, so that that's where we're currently focused on and that's where really the, the biggest challenges lie like how do we how do we make a platform that is user friendly um, yeah mm -hmm. while um, while still sort of you know keeping mm -hmm. keeping I would say backwards compatibility per se but just to keep the keep the boat afloat. Uh, okay. And are the expectations that come from the users of your platform uh, changing over time? I'm asking uh, this question because uh, you have been working with big data technologies for 12 years and you know that what was user-friendly 12 years ago is no longer user-friendly today. So basically, how requirements uh, to build the better user experience is impacting the, the design and the evolution of your data platform at Datadog? Absolutely. I think, absolutely. I think a lot of change over the last 12 years or so since I started doing data engineering and data infrastructure. Um, it really felt... Um, you know, back in the day when you and I met, there's like, there was, first of all, there were so many different technologies out there and we sort of had to figure out like, what was the, what was the right one uh, for the job? I think Spark is pretty ubiquitous nowadays. Um, if you don't use something like Apache Beam um, or, or maybe some other like more niche technologies, but I think like as a, as, as a data engine community, like across like a global community, we've, pretty much settled, I think, on Spark. Uh, but that was very different, you know, like back mm -hmm. in the day. Like we started off with MapReduce, just like writing writing plain old MapReduce in Java or in Spotify's case, it was, uh, it was even Python. Um, so th that definitely has changed. Like scheduling and orchestration has changed from, um, from Uzi, which is like super XML driven and not very friendly for the user through things like Luigi, um, Azkaban, now to yeah, Airflow is pretty much the default, default thing. Um, so yeah, I think over time a lot has, uh, a lot has changed and a lot has, 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 you know, uh, uh, lots of standardization I think has, has happened, which also means that uh, for, for say data dog and data engineers there we uh, things things change and people new people we hire obviously come with experience in more sort of current systems so there's an expectation that things are a little easier than working with luigi for example mm -hmm. um but um yeah there the, things do change uh it's an interesting an interesting challenge though because at the same time we have people that have been data dog for forever for example and know all um, sort of all ins and outs and all like little quirks of Luigi and are really fluent in writing writing some Luigi code and don't really feel the pain that much. Uh, mm -hmm. But that's something I tend to not optimize for. I would rather optimize for um, sort of new joiners. Like we're a company that's still in hyper growth. Uh, we're, we're recruiting like crazy, like new people joining and that's where really sort of the efficiency gains lie rather than you know folks that have been, been at it for a while. Um, Nevertheless, we still also need to keep those people happy, right? Yes. So uh, when you mentioned technologies such as Snowflake, Airbyte, DBT, I started thinking about the term or, or buzzword that I believe you also have heard many times, that is a modern data platform. 
because uh, very often technologies such as Snowflake or DBT are part of so-called modern data platform that simplifies how you implement data pipelines and provide easier, more user-friendly frameworks and often uh, support for SQL as a data processing language that for many use cases is very convenient. So uh, is it intentional that you followed uh, those trends and you build own modern data platform or is it rather the selection of the technologies that currently work best for Datadog? Um, no, it's, 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 it's intentionally. Um, some of it is kind of, uh, you know, unintentionally or a lock, I would say, like for us moving to Snowflake. So we, we used to have data in Redshift, um, which worked okay, I would say, um, in, in AWS. But as soon as we had, you know, data in multiple clouds, all of a sudden we needed to have something that, you know, cut across all the clouds. And then, you know, Slow, Snowflake is a good, a good opportunity or like was a good, good piece of technology there. Um, it's also that, like Snowflake in our case is, is much more powerful than, 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 than Redshift, which means that we can actually start doing um, ELT instead of ETL. Um, so mm-hmm. either defer, defer like processing at query time or run something like DBT in the middle where you, know, you can actually do a lot of processing there. Sort of similar to like my time at Spotify where we moved from on-prem to, to the cloud, uh, we moved from Hive um, which yeah, basically MapReduce to to BigQuery, and that was a massive game changer. Um, I think initially this was just because of of speed, but you know there's the additional benefit of being it being more more user friendly. Like it's it's easier to write SQL right than than it is to write a MapReduce mm-hmm. job. Um, so I think some of these things at Datadog at least are somewhat unintentional, but definitely now the the strategy is very intentional to make something that is um that is more user friendly and therefore more i would say organizationally scalable it's it's easier to hire people that that know how to write sql than it is than to hire people that know how to write scala um or spark in scala so um mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 today it's very intentional to sort of move there and um we we don't use that term modern data platform, but it's more like we've just focused on self-serve a lot um, so that, mm-hmm. you know, analysts, for example, uh, can can write their own models in DBT and, you know, write their own queries against Snowflake rather than having a data engineer uh, involved to write a whole pipeline for you. And are there any trends that you intentionally follow at Datadog that might impact how your data platform looks like in two or three years? Um, well, I, I follow the industry a little bit, but I'm not, I don't think we're particularly influenced by, by trends. Um, it is more, so Datadog is a very pragmatic company. Like the, the, the culture is very sort of, there's a lot of pragmatism there. Like you have a problem, you want to solve that and you find a solution for it, or you build a solution for it. And so from that perspective, we don't tend to follow trends, but it kind of makes sense, right? Like it kind of makes sense to move a lot for example, move from um, ETL to ELT uh, in, in in large parts. Um, there will always be there was always be a place for ETL uh, where there's very bespoke business logic and things like that. Um, so, uh, but to that extent, I think we we just um, it was at the right moment that this happened for us, where you know technology emerged that we that we could actually leverage. Uh, but rather than than trends, I think maybe. In the future, like one one thing that we 
don't do a lot of is uh, sort of we don't have a lot of ml infrastructure so that's sort of the next the next big thing um in in a few years so if you yeah coming back to your question like what would our sort of infrastructure look like in in sort of a few years from now it's probably there's probably much more ml infrastructure um, besides just sort of plain old data infrastructure uh, when I introduced you, I also mentioned that you worked at Spotify for many years and it was a very interesting chapter in your life. So what are the biggest differences between Spotify and Databog when you look at data, technologies and your work and the solutions that you built? Well, I think the big difference was that when when, when I started at, at, at Spotify, everything was on-premise. So everything was, um, you know, we built, you and I together built a 3,600-node Hadoop cluster. I think at the time it was like the biggest in, in Europe. Um, and then we moved to the cloud. So a lot of the workloads we had to, but to move to the cloud, we had to like pick, uh, pick particular technologies. But it was also, we moved to Google's cloud platform. So all of a sudden we had, um, we had the ability to, to actually leverage what Google has, so as I mentioned earlier, like BigQuery, um, a lot of a lot of um, stuff was moved to to uh, Apache or to Dataflow, which Apache Beam. Um, we built a lot of tools on top of that. So Spotify built Shio, which is like a um, a Scala ver- Scala bindings on top of on top of Apache Beam. Uh, so like a lot of focus was on that. Where and the big difference with with Datadog is that Datadog started in the cloud, um, albeit AWS. So a lot of the infrastructure was sort of built around AWS technology, as I mentioned earlier. Um, like we used we used and still up to this day we use EMR. Um, but then multi cloud like, is changes changes everything. So you have to start thinking in like generalizations and, and different abstractions. Um, so it's 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 building infrastructure with a very different, um, yeah, like a different view. Uh, where and also we're you know we're 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 a few few years later now. So there is different technology. Yeah. Um, but in general, I would say like uh, at Spotify, we really focus initially just like keeping this thing running. Like operating thirty six hundred node Hadoop cluster is is somewhat difficult um i think the way that luigi for example was built was not very user friendly um one of my big beefs with luigi and i don't know if um the original authors are going to listen to this uh, but um one of my my biggest biggest uh, beefs with luigi nowadays is that there are no abstractions like it's a python framework and you you code your way out of that. Um, like you, you pretty much encode express dependencies and things like that. Um, one of the things that we've seen at, at, at Datadog there is that uh, that leads to, on one hand, uh, sort of wild growth of abstractions, and on the other hand, uh, like the very verbose code to do certain things. Um, so, yeah, I think at, at, at Spotify, we just, at the time, we were focused really on building a bunch of primitives. There wasn't much in terms of dependency management um, because yeah, Uzi wasn't great. Um, so we built Luigi just to get something, right? And there wasn't a lot of focus on on, on sort of user friendliness uh, for data engineers, while nowadays we're, we're, we're definitely much more focused on it. So maybe that's the biggest difference, like focus on just getting primitives there, getting the, you know, the tools that you need to just operate this, this pretty big thing um, in place and now we're sort of in a more refinement stage. I think in general as an industry, but 
It's funny coincidence because last week I actually chatted with one of the original authors of Luigi, with Elias Freider, uh, who we both know from Spotify, of course. And it's interesting that together with Eric Bernardson, uh, the second original author of Luigi, uh, they started a company and they are developing a solution that simplifies how engineers can run their code in the cloud uh, without setting up an infrastructure by themselves. So uh, as far as I know, they focus uh, now more on execution layer, on easy containerization, not yet scheduling, but in case of implementing any scheduling layer, they definitely have a lot of experience that comes from cre creating and using Luigi and possibly other tools such as Airflow. So it can be interesting to see what type of solutions they can uh, create together. But, but let's move on. So uh, when we talked together a few years ago, I remember that you mentioned one interesting difference between Spotify and Datadog that is related to scalability. Uh, let me explain that first. So uh, Spotify grows fast, but this growth is rather predictable. Uh, currently around 20% per year if you look at the number of the users. Uh, this is because the number of the users grow, uh, grows organically at Spotify in the countries where Spotify operates, as well as uh, Spotify is entering new countries. But today, Spotify is already operating in uh, many large countries, such as the US, Japan, India, Germany. So adding new countries will not cause big spikes in the number of active users and the volume of the data that uh, needs to be handled. However, at the Datadog, you can onboard two or three large customers in a short time frame, and you can see the spike in the amount of the metrics and the volume of the data that you need to store and process. So is, it, is this challenge uh, longer applicable and you need to still uh, face it? Um, I would say yes and no. Um, like obviously, because we're fully in the cloud, there's a lot of lot of um, the reliance on on cloud vendors to be able to help us there. Um, you know, they they have massive massive infrastructures to to help us uh, like scale our current systems. But it is it does it does happen where you know we onboard a new customer and then like all of a sudden we get a ton more data. Um, and another another like dimension there is that Datadog Datadog is really a product of small products. Like uh, it's it's nicely integrated. Everything is sort of connected with it, with a single interface, and it's it's easy to set up. But um, it's we we're currently yeah we're constantly expanding sort of our product portfolio. So as of recently, there's a lot of focus on security products and things like that. Um, and with every new product, you know, new new uh, new data comes in, or our our, our, our customers send us uh, send us new types of data. So scalability is definitely uh, definitely a thing. Um, I would say with on the data engineering side with systems like. Spark, for example, um, like there is there are scalability issues for sure that we run into once in a while, but it's not it's not systemic. Luckily, um, it's I would say harder, but it's different on sort of the live side of the of the product because we we control that part mostly, right? Like for Spark, it's still well we run a Spark job on some 
a bunch of nodes. Um, so it's a little different, but yeah, in general, it's it's a it's always a concern, I guess, with like a growing organization like Datadog. During the last ten years, did you notice any reusable patterns or skills that are always valid, regardless of how the data engineering landscape changes, and regardless of what technologies you can use in the future? Yeah, I think there are there are different there are definitely sort of primitives that are like skills or base skills that that are helpful, right? Like if you, for example, if you understand MapReduce, just the algorithm, um, that at least help has helped me to understand like future technologies. Even though something like Spark is way more advanced than just just map and a reduce function, um, understanding how these kind of things scale and how these things scale horizontally and why this works rather than, you know, mm-hmm. uh, having to scale scale up a database or some other processing thing um, definitely helps. Understanding how like dependency management works, I think is, is, is a good thing to, 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 it's a skill to have. And if that through Luigi, ask ban airflow, it doesn't matter. Um, the principles are often, often the same. So um, yeah, they're definitely uh, for for people who sort of want to get into data engineering or are data engineers and want to sort of be still current. Um, I think it's important to uh, yeah to sort of there's a, there to 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 really invest in in some of the fundamentals of of data engineering. Like if you take Spark, right? Like it's very highly abstracted. Mm-hmm. You have a bunch of you have a data frame or or data set, and then you you sort of apply a bunch of methods on these things, um, uh, which is great. You know, like it's, it's easy to write a job, but I think it's really important to understand what goes on behind the scenes or to have at least some idea, right? Like you don't have to be a, a map producer or Hadoop mm-hmm. expert to, to understand that, but I think it's definitely helpful um, to adopt, you know, technology in the future, because as you said, like the landscape will change for sure. Yes. Yes. The, the landscape will change for sure. Uh, hopefully, uh, it will have more and more technologies that address the current challenges. And this brings me to the next question. Uh, do you see any important gaps in the current technologies? Or do you wish uh, to see anything particular in the current technologies that will make your job easier and your platform and Datadog better? Yeah, I think like the biggest gap that I, I, I think is there still in the, in the da- big data world is around data management and governance. Um, there are a bunch of projects out there that um, help in some form or fashion or that sort of um, like at least solve for certain problems. Like one of the one of the things that one of my regrets from being at Spotify was that we never invested in that or not early enough. Um, so what I mean with data management and governance is basically understanding what data you have and where it is and who owns mm-hmm. it and how does it how does lineage work? Like how does it relate to each other? Um, like at Spotify, we at some point were like, oh, there's all this data on HDFS. We have X petabytes of, of data and like <laughs> what what is what? And where where is certain data like what data like is important for for uh, the commercial part of the part of the business or the financial part of the business and we had really no idea so um we had sort of mapped that all out and that was really really tedious task um and i think there aren't really any sort of good solutions i know there are a few 
um, a few companies have started up. Um, so our old colleague Laurent Paris um, started uh, started a company around um, Marquez, for example, and well, they now recently got got bought. But um, being a uh, like a really a platform for for data management and governance. So that's something that I think we haven't really settled on as we've settled kind of on Spark and we've settled on kind of Airflow. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think Snowflake is a big contender and in, in sort of the the, the SQL like stuff, um, like large scale SQL processing. Um, I don't think there's sort of a de facto solution yet for 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 mm-hmm. um, for sort of management and governance. And you know there are solutions out there. Delta Lake by 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 Databricks, for example, I think is some step in the right direction. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's something that we haven't, as an industry, haven't really found a default or de facto solution for. Um, at Datadog, we're actually building building something. Um, if we open source it or not, that's that's to be seen. But it's a, it's a system called Census, where we basically capture old data that uh, old metadata um, that is that is. Uh, that mm-hmm. describes data that is being produced in all sorts of data pipelines, but also databases and um, like Kafka topics and other other sorts of pieces where data lives uh, to understand um, um, to understand lineage, for example, and understand ownership mm-hmm. and understand a whole bunch of additional things like data quality becomes easier and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, long long story short, long answer short, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I think data management and governance is, is is a piece that I'm still sort of within the industry missing. Uh, you mentioned a colleague, uh, Laurent Paris, who we both met at Spotify, uh, that he started a company around Marquez. Uh, the name of this company is Datakin, and it focused on building a solution for capturing the data lineage by integrating the open lineage and Marquez projects with technologies such as uh, Airflow, Spark, Fling, and many SQL data warehouses that are often uh, used to process the data. And the news is that earlier this year, Datakin was acquired by Astronomer. And in my opinion, this is a very interesting acquisition and there are many synergies between those two companies. Uh, for instance, Apache Airflow is one of the most popular big data technologies and Airflow DAGs uh, contain a lot of metadata that can be useful to generate the data lineage for your data sets. So I believe that this will accelerate the development of Marquez and open limit projects and more and more functionalities for data lineage will be uh, implemented soon uh, thanks to the integration with Airflow, Spark, Fling and other projects. So it would be very interesting to invite also Loren to this podcast to tell us more about their plans, the roadmap, the uh, the vision that they would like to achieve uh, related to data governance. But this was only my side comment. So let's go back to the, uh, our, to our conversation. I think like one, one thing that I've learned though, over time is that if you, if you start from scratch, it's easy or easier, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you choose processing frameworks, HBARC or, or, or beam, um, you choose, a like a, a scheduler or a workflow manager like Air, Airflow, um, you might like throw in Datakin or you do something else. Uh, there's a bunch of sort of off the shelves thing that work pretty well together if you're in a, in a greenfield situation. Um, 
sort of retroactively applying budget technology is always kind of hard and it becomes harder mm -hmm. the longer, the, the bigger mm -hmm. a company becomes and the more complex the environment. So for example, we are looking to, as I mentioned earlier, to replace Luigi. Uh, exactly how we're not completely sure. Um, Airflow is obviously a contender. However, there's some doubts there. Um, like mm -hmm. to what extent does Airflow solve for what we want to solve for? in terms of um, uh, like user friendliness, for example, and how does this integrate with all the stuff that we've already built? Because mm -hmm. there's a ton of sort of bespoke mm -hmm. and in-house tools that we've built over the years um, to do cluster management, for example. So um, yeah, um, right now we're trying other avenues um, to, mm -hmm. to sort of deal with that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's harder, the, the, the more stuff you have, it's harder to, to sort of integrate new technology in general um, or mm -hmm. to move from one thing to the next. So. And you mentioned that data governance, or rather um, not enough data governance, is your biggest regret uh, from the time that you spent at Spotify. But in my opinion, still, it was a very successful time for you because you contributed a lot to the data platform and the data engineering at Spotify. And many of our colleagues would agree that you are the father of data at Spotify. And my final question is, what are the things that you are the most proud of when you look at your work at Spotify in the past and now at Datadog? That's a good question. Um, I think, like, when I started Spotify, we were, like, three people, I think, in, in a team that was called Business Intelligence. Um, we did both sort of maintained what was data infrastructure at the time, um, small H-based cluster, a bunch of stuff in actually in AWS. Um, and when I left, um, we had over the years had built, as I mentioned, a 3600 node Hadoop cluster, um, like going from like manual configuration to everything automated and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and then eventually moving everything to the cloud. Um, yeah, that, that's what I'm pretty proud of um, building so for me, it's like, in, especially in the role as a director, not only interesting to, you know, play and build technology, but also to build teams around that. And having started with a team of three, uh, and then eventually when I left data infrastructure, and I had moved into a different role by that time, but data infrastructure was like 55, 60 people or so, um, is, uh, yeah, that that's, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, and sort of setting up Spotify to sort of continue doing what they do. It's an awesome company and the technology was really, really cool. So um, now for Datadog, I guess it's a bit of a similar thing. Um, I joined Datadog three years ago. I had a team of like 12 people. Uh, now my team is um, soon to be 70. Um, so, in, so that growth is pretty big. Um, having attacked a few like large, large pieces of infrastructure, um, like for example, moving Spark to Kubernetes uh, was, was a big thing. Um, now investing in sort of new workflow manager, building census is, is definitely on the list there uh, to sort of do data management and governance um, and building a team of, yeah, a team that, that, that works on all of this. Plus, you know, focus on the in, internal analytics um, as well. So, uh, but I'm not done yet. So that's, that's mm -hmm. uh, maybe ask me this question in a few years. Uh, but what you said reminds me that you always focus on projects and initiatives that have large positive impact on your team and your company that you work for. 
So it's great to hear that you uh, focus on big initiatives at Datadog. Uh, so I will definitely uh, ask you in two years to learn about new big things that you built at Datadog. Uh, and regarding your answer about migration from on-premise to GCP at Spotify, I can add one comment uh, that, that it was also impactful for other Swedish companies. So recently I read an interesting article about top 20 most popular big data technologies that are used in Nordics. Uh, this article was written a few weeks ago by a Swedish startup called Validio that builds a data quality platform and they did a research of technology stacks uh, used by companies in Scandinavia and based on their uh, findings, uh, BigQuery is one of the most popular technologies uh, in Sweden and uh, it's significantly more popular in Sweden than in other countries like the US. And one of the hypotheses for increased adoption of BigQuery and GCP in Sweden is the fact that Spotify was early adopter of this cloud and it, it basically sent a message in 2015 or 2016 uh, to the market that GCP is very interesting technology and you can use this cloud in your production use cases as uh, Spotify did. So, I, uh, so this inspired many other Swedish companies to consider using this cloud uh, such as iZettel, King.com, Epidemic Sound, uh, TrueColor, Leo Vegas, Ika Gruppen and many, many other companies as well. And my company, Getting Data, also worked with some of those companies to migrate their data and analytics from on-premise to GCP. Uh, for example, we had a very successful data migration journey with TrueColor that was even presented together with us and TrueColor at one of the conferences. And this video is publicly available, so I hope that we also in inspired uh, some other Swedish companies to migrate to uh, to the cloud from on-premise. And this is very interesting uh, that Spotify was not only pioneer in music streaming, what inspired also other companies to be launched in, uh, in the music industry in Sweden, music or podcast industry uh, in, uh, in Sweden. I mean, uh, Epidemic Sound or Soundtrack Your Brand. But also, uh, but also Spotify was pioneer in using uh, the cloud and GCP what made a lot of impact worldwide on other companies, but especially in Sweden. I yeah, absolutely. Like one of the one of the reasons behind that back then was like we we were in the music of we were in the business of music streaming, right? Like we're not in the business of building data centers, and we was sort of heading that way. So I think it was a, was a good decision to move to the cloud first of all, and then Google Cloud Platform. Like geez, Google is just really great with data, and that's like <laughs> one of the reasons that like, the network's really fast, and and they have some really really great data products. Like I'm still like even though I don't use it, um, or my teams don't use it, but I'm a big BigQuery fan. I think it's like it's it's so cool and so awesome. Um, I also really really like Apache Beam. Um, so yeah, I think data or uh, Google has done a lot of a lot of good stuff with with data products. As I promised, uh, this was my final question. So I would like to thank you, Walter, for your time, uh, for sharing your knowledge and opinions with us in this podcast. Uh, thank you very much. 
Thank you, Adam. This was so much fun to do. Uh, this is actually my first podcast ever, so I hope this worked out. But um, yeah, thank you for the opportunity and the, yeah, good luck and we'll, we'll talk soon. If you are interested in new episodes of Radio Data, please follow us on Acast, Spotify and other podcasting platforms. Also visit gettingdata.com to find more information about other ways that we gather and share the knowledge.